Good morning, Summit Church. Oh, my goodness. And for those that are online with us, my name is uh, Pastor Chuck. I am today the teaching pastor at Summit Church. And I am so excited because next week we have the privilege of seeing our lead pastor, new lead pastor, Jim Ladd and Sue, will start here at Summit Church. And I'll be sitting here with you, believe me, just filled with joy as I am today when I think about the goodness of God. I told our team earlier that uh, there's so much on my heart today. You notice there's not a table? Just strap in. It's okay. I'll just kind of say, what are they going to do? Tell me I can't preach next week? I mean, seriously. I mean, what kind of a threat is that, you know? Yeah. And I, I told a guy one time, seriously, uh, it kind of had this thing, you know, in terms of my granddaughters, um, you know, the threat of life imprisonment doesn't bother me that much anymore, you know, that at this age right now, what has he got to hold over my head? So better treat my granddaughters right, you know what I mean? But um, there's so many things on my heart I want to start and just share, none of which is in my notes. Uh, well, I don't have any, just a minute, Okay. You know, one year ago today, this church gathered for a celebration. For those that were here and were a part of that, you know that celebration was our 40th year as Grace Community Church slash Summit Church. We talked about it then that the numbers have such great significance to God. I mean, there are some that are very familiar to us, the number seven, God's number for completion and things like that. But when you research the number 40, it was a very significant time. Think about the number of times that 40 was used in the Bible. You know, the number that Jesus was in the desert, 40 days and 40 nights. I mean, we could go through all of those. But the significance of 40 was it was a time of trials, testing, but get this, preparation. Little did we know that God was bringing us out of as a church, I feel, this time of trials and testing, that it brought us to that point, but we were entering in such a glorious time of preparation, not knowing what that preparation was, except it would be ask of us to be faithful, and that God would bless us out of the faithfulness that He, that he saw in His people. And now here we are. Do you realize it is one year later? It was one year ago that we celebrated that time of trials, testing, preparation. Do you realize, I mean, just some of the craziness of God. That was the first time Jim and Sue Ladd had been back to the church since they had left 13 years ago. That they stepped in and saw what God was doing. And none of us imagined, none of us could imagine what God was going to do in these next months to bring that man and his wife here with over 35 years' experience as a lead pastor and a heart to shepherd and steward God's people and then preach, but to shepherd and steward God's people. Hang on, this isn't even done with the introduction. I just wanted you to know this. But I, I led into this time to recall again this morning 
There was the second part of this for me that was very important. In 1997, my family and I were serving on the staff of Promise Keepers. I was sitting in church on a Wednesday night, my wife and our two sons, and I generally, because it's just my learning style, I take notes. So if I hear it and then I see my notes, and during that time frame, God began to pour into me a message. Now, my wife, like all good wives, she was trying to make sure I was paying attention. And she's, some of you got that, okay? <laughs> some of you did. But she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm good, I'm good. And then a little bit later, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? Because she knew my notes didn't match up with, and God began to pour out this message to me. In 1997, God gave me a message when the cloud moves. I thought it was to preach. After church, my wife asked me about it. I shared it with her. It was a time of transition at Promise Keepers, and it was about two weeks later, or shortly thereafter, <clears throat> she said, you need to share that with our sons. And I did. When the cloud moves, God gave me the Scripture, 13, Chapter 13, Exodus, walk through the thing and so forth. She came back a couple of weeks later. Now, this is where we disagree. My wife is taking care of grandkids in Virginia. She was just emotional over not being able to be here, but she'll be here next week. But my wife, because she has one opinion of this situation and I have the other, but because I'm here speaking today, you'll hear the truth. Come on, come see me, baby, if you got a problem with that. Now, come and see me. Yeah, she hasn't left me yet. There's a lot of people wonder why she hasn't, Ray, but let that go, buddy. She came in and she kind of goes, that message wasn't for you to preach. You know, ladies, you need to understand very often you're out of the garage, you're on the interstate, and you're on cruise control, and us guys haven't thought about where our keys are yet. I mean, you're that far ahead of us. And I said to my wife, that message? She says, yeah, that message. And I said, okay, you're going to have to help me catch up because I don't have a clue what we're talking about. She said, that message about the cloud. I said, what was it for then if I'm not to preach it? She said, that was for us as a family. We're leaving promise keepers. And I knew in that instant through the power of the Holy Spirit, that was exactly what was happening. And God would lead us in that time in 1997 from promise keepers to the ministry that we now have the privilege of leading. Never preached that message before. Ten, 13 years later, there was a pastor at Grace Community Church, a young kid just getting started by the name of Jim Ladd. Some of you don't know this story. Having been the senior pastor here, God had called him and Sue to Evergreen, where they're at now, preaching his last messages at Evergreen. And Jim said, Chuck, would you go up and preach the week before I start at that church? And I said, sure. And I prayed, and I knew in an instance, 13 years after receiving that message, what God was having me speak to that church when the cloud moves. It's now 13 years later. That same young pastor, Jim Ladd, is preaching his last message there, and I have the privilege of preaching the message here just before he starts. 
by the way, so everybody knows, I text Jim today, and I reminded him of that. And I told him the tradition stops today. That boy's not going anywhere till God takes him home or he's finished here. But we're not doing this again. I did. I, did. I sent him that message. I didn't get back a little heart liking the message, you know. <laughs> One of those things, you know, with Jim and I, and we have a tendency to have these conversations, you know, in that process. But the reality of it is, I prayed about this last message and where God would have me be on this Sunday. If you're new and visiting us here, we have the most amazing thing God is doing and what God has done to bring this man. And I have such joy for this church and what God has done in this short season that I've been given the privilege of serving here. What a humbling experience. And it's not about preaching. It's about I get to know all of you. My heart, my wife's heart, and the love that we have for this church could not be greater than what God has given us in this time with you. And I'm blaming all of you for that. I really am. I'm blaming all of you. Some of you were here when we started 13 months ago today. Some came later and have joined us and have stuck around. And I want to tell you, the greatest things that you could possibly imagine, get ready. And I told the team earlier, boy, we joke about this. Make sure your seat belt is across your lap tight, your seat back and your tray table is in the upright and locked positions. And I have this feeling, I'm just telling you, I jumped out of a lot of airplanes. Don't ask me why, but it was my... But in a C-130, the last thing they do before they take off is they lock the brakes completely and they redline the engines because we have this crazy feeling that if a, brain, a plane is going to break, let it break on the ground, not in the air. And that's what they do. And I've sat many times on a C-130 with, with my parachute on and my helmet, and you're just there, and that thing locks it, and you feel it locked, and then you feel the max torque that you can get to redline. And then all of a sudden, the brakes are released, and you feel this incredible thrust. And I feel that for today, that there is a thrust that's coming from heaven into Summit Church that is greater than anything that we could have possibly imagined. The message today is, is entitled, When the Cloud Moves. Our scripture for today comes out of Exodus 13. Our pastor, Jim Ladd, I steal everything I can from that man. I, I do, but I'm honest about it. I tell him up front, I'm stealing that. Hey, but let me just tell you something. He and Sue were here not too long ago, about five months ago. In my world, that's not too long. It was a name tag Sunday. He took it back to Evergreen, and they've been doing it once a month ever since. So he and I, we get a little bit of trade here. So I'm going to ask you, if you have your Bibles with you in your hand, or if you have them on your phone, and you are able to stand, would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? 
As you do so, we can go to Exodus. It'll also be on the screen. We're starting in chapter 13. In verse 17, it says this, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though it was the shortest. For God said if they faced war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Continuing God, so God led people around the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid. Then you must carry my bones with you from this place. Again, in verse 20, he says, After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham at the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and at night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel day and night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. God bless you. Please have a seat. There are three things that God gives me out of this. There's a lot, frankly. Three things that God gives us. The first thing he says in those verses 17 and 18 is simply this. God did not take them the shortest route because they weren't ready for it. In fact, he goes on to say that had he taken them the shortest route, he's saying had they been confronted with the battle of these trained, I mean, 400 years in captivity, they hadn't been able to allow a sword or anything, no training for battle. But he knew this, that God doesn't always take us the shortest route, and sometimes that's hard for us, isn't it? There are so many things we know in our heart that God's taking us to. I knew in my heart God was bringing a great pastor to this church. I had no idea, could I possibly believe, that Jim Ladd would be so obedient to God to lead the church that he had built so greatly into there through God's blessing and favor and all of the things going on. But I knew this, that God had such great plans for this church. And some people said, how long will it take? And I said, I don't know. I'm not God. He does it so well, and I do it so poorly. But I knew this. No matter how long it took in God's plan to make this work, it was God's design to take us on the best route. And my goodness, surely God did that, didn't He? Here's the second thing that I know from that. God always led His people. He didn't push His people. It wasn't God from the rear saying, go, do this, and just trust me into the wilderness. But it says very clearly in His Word that God was out in front of them, and He led His people. In fact, the Scripture is so clear, not only did He lead His people, but He was visible at all times. Now, reminder, they're 40 years in the desert. Can you imagine for 40 years, every day being able to look up and see the presence of Almighty God? 
You say, boy, I couldn't go wrong with that, could I? Well, we know the rest of the story, don't we? But the fact of the matter is, God was always out in front. And here's the third thing that I know. God's presence was with them every single moment. They may not have realized it. In fact, we see by some of the things that they did that they didn't realize that. They didn't understand the greatness of a God who would be present with them every moment of their waking days and, and even their sleep at night. What an incredible feeling, isn't it? So those three things are foundational when we look at this. Now, it's crazy because we can look at this. You know how many times people say, well, you know, they read a story in the Bible and they go, if it was me. And I go, that's got to be one of the dumbest statements I've ever heard. We have no idea. You know, if it was me, I wouldn't have denied like Peter did three times. If it was me, you know, give me a break. We all know better than that, don't we? But the reality of it is we look back and those lessons of faithfulness are meant to guide us in our times that we are in right now. And that's what God brought us into. That's what God has brought us to. And that's what God's bringing us through and for the next season that He has for us. But let me just tell you that in this, I, I was kind of lining up and I say, the blessings that God has brought and He's bringing and what's happening at Summit Church and I compare to 40 years in the desert. Let me give you some things that happened in those 40 years. And we go back and we look at this. You know, <clears throat> there are so many different things. You know, one of the things that happened in this time of going into the promised land and occupying it. You know, Moses went to the mountain and everything. And Aaron decided in the book of Numbers, he says, you know, he's been gone too long. We just don't know what he's doing up there. Gosh, we don't even know if he's still alive, so we need to take action, right? You know, one of the things they did was they made, he said, give me all your earrings and your jewelry. Because when they had left Egypt, man, they had, God had just showered them, right? He said, we'll make it into a golden calf. So we see something that we can actually worship. And I compared that to the leadership of Summit Church and these 13, 14 months, our elders, our staff, the faithfulness, and not questioning God. And I look at that and I said, did we make any golden calves here? You know, and I look back on it, I said, no, but we sure got rid of some sacred cows. They make the best hamburger, don't they? I mean, we feasted on some sacred cows. And we started doing things God's way in this church. And you're going to see a continuation of the things, and you're going to see greater things. God did some great things. Here's the second thing that I read in this time. You know, they sent the spies into the promised land, and they came back, one from each tribe. And, of course, Caleb and Joshua were the two that came back. They saw the same thing that everyone else saw. And the other ten spies you know, started talking about how big they were. We're like grasshoppers there, right? But it was Caleb and it was Joshua that said, sure, but if God is with us, who can be against us? If God is sending us to do this, why would we ever doubt for even a moment that God is in the middle of this? And I thought about this because what happened was, you know, they said, yes, we believe in God. Yes, we trust God. Yes, this is so good. And then 10 men come back 
and they make these statements and they choose to believe men over God. And I looked at this time frame at Summit Church, and I've had the privilege of working with our elders, and I've had the privilege of working with our staff and our dream team. And I can tell you this, and you can take it to the bank. There was never a moment, never a moment in the last 13 months that our elders chose the voice of men over the voice of God. There was never a moment in these 13 months that I've been here that our staff chose the voice of men over the voice of God and the dream team and the faithfulness there. And you know, it was very simple that that foundational piece was simply this. Either God's in the very center of this thing, and God is who He says He is, and will do who He says He will do, and we can trust that God, or God's not in it at all, and we should just take it over and run it like a business. Let me tell you something. If there was ever a moment that somebody thought they ought to run this church like a business, one, they're not here, or the church wouldn't have been here, that this is this is a gathering of God's family. And it's about the voice of God in our lives. Our responsibility to you is not to be the voice of God, but to challenge you in a loving way to hear the voice of God for yourself. I'm not the voice of God. I hope to encourage you, and I know Jim will, but he's not the voice of God. God has said, each one of you, his children, his sons and daughters. Open the ears, open the eyes. And in this season that we have ahead of us, be ready. Because I know this, God will be speaking to us and guiding us in the process there. You know the other crazy part of this thing? You know when I go back to the Aaron situation with the golden calf, and they just decided that they would turn God's people into a democracy. You know, there was a point in there where they said, well, why don't we just elect a new leader? God's leader for this church wasn't elected. I know there was a vote. That's in our Constitution, our bylaws. It was a confirmation. Get this. And we never want to confuse what we're doing is to confirm God's voice in our life for testing God. And sometimes we miss that completely. Very often people say with Gideon, well, he was testing God. He wasn't. God wasn't being tested by Gideon. Gideon knew his own weakness, and he was asking God to confirm his word. What took place last Sunday wasn't a vote. It was an acknowledgement of a confirmation that we were confirming God's word. And I wasn't able to be here last week, but I watched the whole thing. It was all I could do to not get up and dance. And I, and I will tell you, and I'm very grateful for this church. A week ago yesterday, I couldn't stand. I literally was in Florida and had to have a wheelchair to get into the airport, a wheelchair to get out of the airport and get to a car and assistance just to get in the house. And the next day, I'm standing there trying to put any pressure I could on my leg, and it was all I could do not to get up and try to dance, because what took place was a confirming word from people that said, as a church, 
we confirm that we're hearing God perfectly. That's what that was last week. It wasn't a democracy. Don't be misled by that. That was us as God's people saying, God, we have heard your word, and we are confirming in our hearts what you have told us to do. And that's pretty significant, isn't it? That is so significant. One of the things that I want to encourage you to do, I want you to remember the stories in your life of God's faithfulness. You know, when they came into the promised land and they built the the altars there, and it was really a place of not returning back to the desert is what they were building. You know, there's different types of altars that are built to celebrate God commemorate, but very often they were markers that said, I'm not going back from here. And that's exactly what was taking place. And in our life, there are so many things that God does out of faithfulness. And very often as God's people, perhaps we take it for granted. That's just a good and loving God. And that's just the way He is. But you know... A.W. Tozer is a theologian from the end of the 19th and end of the 20th century, over 30 books. But one of his books is A Cloud by Day and a Pillar of Fire by Night. But one of the great statements that he makes in a chapter there, that through this time frame of God leading his people with that pillar of cloud by day and that pillar of fire by night was, what he was doing was he was taking a prepared people to a prepared place. And I believe in your life, and my life, and all of our lives, in the life of Summit Church. I look back over the time frame and I can say, my goodness, God's bringing a prepared people. Look at each other. You've worked hard during this. You've been faithful during this. You've served during this time frame. We have more service. People serving, the baptisms, the things where people are saying, let me step up. And it's significant because if we don't remember God's faithfulness, I carried a cane in. And some people said, Chuck, are you okay? Can you walk? Yeah, I don't need it. But I want to tell you a story with it. This will go back with me to my house. In 1994, I left the military. One of the great things about my age is I get to tell stories for the first time again. Some of you aren't at that age yet, but you can look forward to it. Trust me, it's so much fun. People say, Chuck, you've told us that story. I said, yeah, but it's first time for me again. So bottom line is, in 1994, Billy and I moved here with our two sons on a faith walk. We had retired out of the military. We had left Rome, Italy. We had traveled across. We had family in North Carolina, Omaha, Washington, D.C., friends saying, you need to stay here because your clearance, all of that, you could get a job just like that. And Billy and I had prayed, and we knew that we were supposed to come all the way to Denver. There was this thing called Promise Keepers. And we literally got here on the 14th of August, and on the 15th, I got hired. That's a whole nother message. But now we had to find a place to live. It was a lot like it then as it is now in housing. It was so difficult The realtor we had said, if you find a house, you look. You can pray about it, but pray fast. We have to get an offer on it. Billy and I had actually gone out 
and we had, uh, I, thought it was, I thought it was 60 miles. It was actually six hours from here to preach. We had put an offer on a house on the Friday before we left, and for a reason, uh, we couldn't take that house. So we're driving back on a Sunday in the car. Our two sons, our son-in-law at the time, and a dog are coming in from Nebraska. We have to have a place to live. We had Sunday night to stay there, and we had to move out of this house on Monday. We couldn't find a place, a hotel to even stay in. The first thing that happened is I started driving, and I saw a hotel tucked back over on Wadsworth and 285, and they would take dogs. They had room for us, and it was fabulous. So I had a job, but we still didn't have a place to live. So on that Sunday after I preached, we had a job, no place to live, kind of working through this. And my wife says, where are we going to stay tomorrow? I said, I don't know. God's going to provide. I've just got to trust Him. I don't know what it is with you women and security issues. Those guys don't really pay a lot of attention to that. She said, where are we going to live? I said, I don't know, baby. God will provide. Now, we're riding along, and we're coming up, you know, Jensen. We're coming in to look at Denver. And she says, why can't it be like Miracle on 34th Street? Now, some of you know the movie I'm talking about, right? And I said, baby, have you prayed for that? And my wife all of a sudden gets this Christianese look. I don't pray for movies. I said, you need to pray for that one, baby. Okay. And I said, look, why don't we just stop and pray coming back in? Our two sons, our dog, and our son-in-law are already at this house we're staying at. And pray for the place that God has for us. So we did. We pulled into the driveway. The two boys come running out and all of this. And they said, we got to go look at a house. And I said, I'm beat. I just drove, preached, had lunch, and drove six hours. They said, no. We waited for you. We're going to look at a house. Okay. And it's right around the corner. Best thing you can do to figure out if you can afford to live in a neighborhood you can't afford to live in is buy a house in that neighborhood. That'll tell you right away. Okay? I mean, there's so much to that. So we jump in the car. We go over to this house. Sunday evening, it's getting dark. Little key box. The realtor goes in. Now, I've got two sons and a son-in-law there. My wife, a female realtor. Where did everybody go? The wives went to the kitchen. They didn't even have to be shown where it was. I mean, it was like kitchens over here. Okay. Our two sons and son-in-law ran up the stairs, and it was like the Oklahoma land rush. They were claiming their rooms. Now, us guys, let's get real, guys. We want to know if there's a place in the house for us, don't we? That's either the basement or the garage, isn't it? So I said, well, I'll try the garage first. I walked out two steps down, I flip on the light, and hanging directly in front of me is this cane. Anybody know what we just prayed for? You know the movie, and the ones that don't know it, very end of the movie, they're riding along, you know, and they were told by Santa Claus to go through this one neighborhood, and of course, you know, it's, Uncle Fred, Uncle Fred, stop the car, stop the car. She gets out and runs, and the house is open. And then she runs to the backyard because her room is perfect and the swing set's there. And they're going, wow. And they look in the corner and what was there? It was a cane. That night we put an offer on the house we now live in. 
This cane sits on the fireplace of the house we now live in. I brought it just to show you. I'll let some of you touch it, but you can't take it from me. Now, the reason I'm telling you this is because you have faith stories of faithfulness in your life. You have things that God has done in your life. God has brought you through things. God has brought you to this church, and I believe for a reason. And I use that as an example to say, let's don't forget the faithfulness that God has brought a prepared people to a prepared place. And the reason we are a prepared people, I believe, is out of faithfulness to Almighty God Himself. And by the way, it wasn't just in the 13 months that I've been here. This faithfulness started, and we'll go back to the legacy of this church. I believe that with all of my heart. So what is God asking of us when the cloud moves? I think there's four things that God is expecting us to be moved. One is spiritually. God wants us to trust our soul to Him. That is, we're moving with God. This isn't about a church to begin with. Can I tell you that this season you're going into, really the question is, who will you trust your soul to? And I'm going to tell you, we have a God that is worthy of trusting for our souls. But when God moves, He's expecting us to move right there with Him, isn't He? So that's the first thing, is spiritually. The second thing is mentally. When God moves, He expects His people to move. We are not oxen or sheep being guided. We are people that God has given the Spirit of Christ to, the mind of Christ, and He doesn't expect us He doesn't desire for us to come to a place and sit stagnant. That's not what God requires. And I know in my heart of hearts, this church is going to be lovingly challenged in a way that I believe we've started. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Whether it's a few verses a day, whether you have a plan for this, grab one. Get in a life group, a community group. That's a reason that they're there. I continue to throw our elder Chris under the bus, but that Bible study community group, of that's just one example. But you know, God is expecting us to move mentally with Him. The third area is emotionally. Moving's hard, isn't it? You know, when we moved here in 1994, We had, did you move my cane? I said you could touch it. Anybody have any idea how amazing this young lady is and the work that she does for us? I know you don't like that. What are you going to do, fire me? (laughs) All right, come on. But here's the thing. Emotionally, when we moved here in 1994, our oldest son had been born in 1981. You can do the math, 13 months. It was the 11th place he had lived. Moving is difficult. Whether it's a physical moving, a spiritual moving, what God is doing. But it it requires of us that emotionally, that God has given the emotion to trust Him. And that means as we're moving and following the cloud and the pillar of fire, we're not grumbling and murmuring about it. Well, you know, could have done that a better way. There's things I could have done. I wish they would. You know, this is about 
understanding God emotionally and understanding that we're a family. And I think about all the moves for that son and the moves for the other son. I do not, I know there were some emotional times in leaving friends and leaving great things. But I tell you, hats off to that beautiful wife of mine and those two boys. There wasn't a, a bit of murmuring, grumbling, whatever, at any point. And then the last thing is physically. Boy, I tell you what, we got to be ready to get up and move, don't we? We have been saying for 13 months, and this has been the staff and the elders. I've just been along for this ride in a big way. God, give us this community. Give us this community. Let us be faithful with the community where we stand right now. Let us be faithful stewards to do what you would have us do to reach the lost in this community. That's going to require us to do more than sit in our seats here on Sundays, isn't it? But you got to get ready for that because it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a powerful time for us to do that. I want to just encourage you in a couple of areas. I was just studying this week and I listened to a part of a message by a guy that just kind of you know you ever have those like why didn't I hear this years ago and one of the statements that he made was the word volunteer does not appear in the Bible in any translation the word volunteer doesn't appear what is the word serve this isn't about me. This is about God doing everything in and through you that God desires to do. But one of the things is the privilege that God gives us, the honor of serving this God. What a privilege it is. Whether it's our worship team, our greeters, our small group, we can go through everything. But I'm telling you this, you will never be totally fulfilled in your walk with Christ until you serve the living God where God would have you serve. Some of those places don't even exist. I'm looking at Jenny out here, and I know I've raised her name before. She saw something she didn't know, and she said, we can do that with clothes and things for foster children out of her garage now. Didn't exist but she knew it was needed when she saw it. There are so many cases of people that are serving in positions as I wanna serve with Summit Kids. I wanna serve here, but I'm telling you this, you will never ever be totally fulfilled in your walk with Christ in this church, any church in your entire life till you seek God's heart, understand your gifts, but serve because that's the word in the Bible. Here's the second thing, and I know we've used the word volunteer. I just haven't been here long enough to change everything because I haven't really changed anything. So, But here's the second one. I know we use the word giving, but I believe we're going into a season, and all of you have been so faithful in his tithes and your offerings. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encourage you I'm not one that believes that there's anything where we get called out or challenged in that sense. But I want to encourage you with his tithes and your offerings because God is getting ready to do 
great and wonderful things. Sometimes a tithe is $10 a month because that's what you have. But here's what I want to encourage you. Please listen carefully. This isn't about money. This is about the opportunity that God is giving us to be faithful to what He's doing in and through us. That in this season ahead, our time, our talent, and our treasures, God is very serious about. But I will tell you this, God sees the faithfulness of His people. God honors the faithfulness of His people. And that is exactly what's taking place here at Summit Church. God is bringing a prepared people, all y'alls, to a prepared place, which for me isn't this building, it's this starting line that we're at right now. And I'm telling you, saints, you don't want to miss this. You don't want to miss this. This is going to be something very special. But remember your faithfulness and how God has been faithful to you. The final thing I will say as I step off of this platform in my last scheduled time to be here. What an honor. What a privilege. How humbling it's been for me personally to be allowed to stand in front of you as your teaching pastor with the support of the elders and this incredible staff and team that serve here. And so to you, I just simply want to say thank you. And don't miss what God has ahead for us. It's going to be incredible. Would you stand to your feet as we respond? God bless you.